most kids play with a new toy for two days and then it's discarded or they forgot who even gave it to them. I'm like, even if it means maybe spending a little bit more money, if you have the means to do so, plan a trip, go, go camping, go to an amusement park. It doesn't have to be like Disney World. It can be something small, but you're creating those memories that your kids are going to remember for a lifetime versus just giving them more stuff that's just going to accumulate dust and probably not get used. Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. Joining me today is owner of Neatly Balanced, professional organizer Christy Edwards. Christy's mission is to transform homes into clutter-free sanctuaries by using her efficient, low-maintenance approach. What truly sets Christy apart is her unwavering commitment to giving back. She channels discarded items to nonprofits and charitable organizations supporting various causes. In today's episode, we actually just cover a variety of topics from charitable decluttering, the importance of teaching giving to our children, Swedish death cleaning and death cleaning in general, and so much more. If you're in need of decluttering inspiration, this episode is a must listen. And lastly, before we get to it, if you've been enjoying the Minimalist Moms podcast, could you pause the episode and leave a rating and or review? It helps others find the show and it's something simple you can do for the podcast that means so much to me. I appreciate you. And now let's get into the conversation with Christy. What would you say that you're an expert in? Why is it special? Organizing. Basically, I launched my company, Neatly Balanced, in 2020. But prior to actually launching an official company, I used to be a full-time nanny in the music industry. And I was actually organizing for people I was nannying for when we were home for a couple of days, not touring or whatever. And then when I came off the road, I was still nannying for just regular people. And I was still organizing for them and cleaning out their kids' toys and clothes and all that good stuff. So I always knew it was something that I felt very strongly about. But then I took a missions trip to Honduras in 2011 to build a chapel there in a very remote village. And it was named in memory of my dad who had passed away in 2010 from cancer. And after spending five days with people who literally had nothing, walked around barefoot, gave us their food, slept outside with their heads on rocks so that we could have their makeshift beds. I mean, literally had nothing. I came home just a completely changed person. And I would say before that trip, I just liked to organize and did not like clutter. After that trip, it was literally like, we have so much crap. Like, Let's clean everything out. So it became more of like a passion project, I guess, after 2011. That's funny. I went to Kenya when I was 20, almost 21. And this was before I had become a minimalist. But at that point in time, when I came home after seeing the way that people live so differently, and they said that like some of the people that we went with said that we would probably have just some emotional processing that we'd have to deal with when we came home. But I just felt like I couldn't handle the abundance in which I was living in at that time. And I was still living at my parents' house when I was 20. The contrast was so overwhelming to me. And it, that does, it does fade. But I do wonder if that was a seed planted in my future minimalist pursuits, just kind of having that feeling of experiencing less and then just living in the abundance. It's just, again, it's such a contrast of needs or what you think you need. Definitely. And all of that is very true for me. I definitely had the whole like emotional thing when I left. We rode in on a school bus that had no air conditioning and it was about a five hour bus ride from the airport to where the road ended. And then we got off the school bus and we had to hike down a mountain for about two hours to actually get to the village. So when I say remote, like I literally mean very remote. The day we left, we went to a little market just to kind of buy souvenirs and things before we got on the bus to leave and go to the airport. And I ventured into a bakery because I was hungry and just wanted a little something to eat. And 
encountered a mom that was holding a baby. And at the time, with me being a full-time nanny, I just was immediately playing peekaboo and, you know, trying to play with the baby. And through our translator, I said, would you ask her if I can hold her baby? You know, I love kids. And our translator did. And I watched the woman just immediately become tearful. And she starts sobbing and hugging her baby. And then she hands the baby to me. And she completely walks out of the bakery. And I'm very confused. And I'm looking at the translator like, what's going on? Why is she crying? I don't have to hold the baby. It's not a big deal. And he said, she realizes you're an American and she's giving you her baby because she thinks if you take the baby, you can give the baby a better life. I completely, I mean, all composure left me. And I, after literally walking around the market after leaving the bakery with the baby, trying to find the mother and couldn't find her. And when we finally tracked her down and I gave the baby back and was like, I can't just walk across the border with the baby. Sorry. I went to the back of the school bus and cried for the entire drive back to the airport. So when you say emotional, like unraveling, (laughs) it took a long time. I mean, I still think about the lady and her baby every single day. They have definitely impacted my life. Yeah. It's just that debriefing of the culture shock and things that you witness and experience that would we'd never even assume happen in other countries. And it does just give perspective. And I did grow up in a very idealistic life where I had everything I needed and most everything I wanted. I had a two-parent family and we lived in a comfortable home and I never understood not having something until I went on that mission trip. And I was like 27 at the time. So you know, I had lived a lot of my life. Just seeing all of that just changed everything. And when I came home, it wasn't just this. For a couple of weeks, I talked about it and then went back to normal. It was very, again, it impacted everything in my life all the way up to this point. And I think when I share how minimalistic I have become since that trip, people are always shocked. Yeah. I really try to put my money where my mouth is and nothing is ever said in a judgmental way. Definitely the way I live is not the way everybody lives or should live. But for me, it has definitely made an impact on my life. That is so cool. And I love how you say you put your money where your mouth is. And I think that so often people in this space where we're trying to cultivate a space on Instagram or on podcasts, wherever we are, and we are putting information out there, it can be like a mirror held up to us. Some of the advice I give sometimes, I'm not just putting out there for everyone else. I'm putting up for me. So to hear you living that out is really cool. And that's why I like talking to women like yourselves that are really living out what they say they believe. And again, it doesn't have to be perfect. So you went to Honduras and you had these experiences. You were a nanny and now you professionally organize people's homes. Can you tell me a little bit more about why you established Neatly Balanced and how you transform people's homes? And again, why is it special the way that you go in and help people? Yeah, I chose the name very specifically. The two words neatly goes along more with the organizing and keeping your home neat. But then balance, it was a word that I chose very intentionally because I feel like life is best lived when it is balanced. Whatever it is that you maybe do too much of, it doesn't mean that you can't do that at all. I think it's just a matter of finding that balance. And so when I created my website, my Instagram page is mostly focusing on organization and living more minimally and all of that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I feel like one thing begets another thing. When you start one change, the whole jumbled ball of maybe some of our negative behaviors starts to be unraveled. It's like we start tugging at it and it's like, oh, I can do this. Now I can do this. And you get the confidence to get your life back in order if you feel like you have been living to a point where you're in disorder and disarray. But with your approach, going back to the professional organizing, you have a low maintenance method and you try to use minimalism and incorporate minimalism into each space. So how did you develop your specific approach that you help 
clients with. Like I said, it all goes back to the trip to Honduras. I came back from that trip a little bit angry. And that was something I definitely had to unpack and get better at because I came in sort of like a bull in a china shop. Like everything needs to go. These kids have too many toys. We have too many clothes, you know? And so I tried to make it in ways that would be functional again for the people I was at the time working for and then moving forward even now. So when I go into a client's home, I definitely am not there again to empty out the house of everything. But I do try to get their kids involved or the husbands, the wives, whoever I'm working with. And the way I start with the kids, assuming they're younger, is I start with their age. So if they're five, I say, let's pick out five books, five stuffed animals or toys, five articles of clothing that you maybe don't wear, don't play with, don't like. And let's give those to kids that don't have anything. And usually that leads to a conversation where the kids are like, what do you mean? There are kids that don't have anything. And you can share with them on a very elementary page how you're helping others so that you start that with them at a young age. And I think one thing I did back when I was a full-time nanny, anytime the kids had a birthday or Christmas, instead of giving them more things to unwrap and open, I created what I called Christy Date. And the kids got to pick two things they wanted to do just with me. So it was one-on-one intentional time. My phone was in my purse. I was fully present with the child. And we were able to just really have fun together. And it was things that they got to pick. So it kind of gave me insight into their minds of what they wanted to do with me, what they found fun. And I've encouraged parents to do that even after I leave, after organizing. I'm like, most kids play with a new toy for two days and then it's discarded or they forgot who even gave it to them. Even if it means maybe spending a little bit more money, if you have the means to do so, plan a trip, go camping, go to an amusement park. It doesn't have to be like Disney World. It can be something small, but you're creating those memories that your kids are going to remember for a lifetime versus just giving them more stuff that's just going to accumulate dust and probably not get used. Wow. I really love that approach of using their age. I feel like that's something I haven't heard before. And I do like Mm -hmm. how you pulled in the Honduras element of just having compassion for people that have less than you. And I know one thing that as I was reading through your bio that you try to rehome your clients' discarded items to nonprofits or charitable organizations. So what's the process for your clients as you're moving through their things and having this conversation with them? Yeah, I usually go in and day one is I say we make a big mess. We go through whatever spaces they want me to organize. Some people hire me just for one space or for just a couple spaces. And then again, the majority of my clients do hire me to do an entire home organization, which obviously takes multiple days. So the first day we kind of go in and just make a big mess and I empty out their clothing closets or I empty out the toy closet or whatever room we're working on first. And we start immediately going through and making piles. What is broken and needs to be trashed? What doesn't get used and can get donated? And then what is keep? And then we put everything back in that space in an organized fashion that makes sense. And everything that is discarded, I then bag up, I bring to my house, I sort it and separate it. And then I work with about a dozen organizations around greater Nashville. And then I reach out to those organizations and say, hey, here's what I have, whether it's toys or books or DVDs or even old magazines. And I find a way to donate pretty much everything to organizations. If a family gets rid of 12 bath towels, well, I have a place I can take towels. If they want to clean out old magazines, I work with a lot of nursing homes and assisted living facilities where they have nothing to look at and they don't really care if the magazines are five years old. So I take a lot of magazines and DVDs to places like that. Most everybody now streams and has things like that. But like at nursing homes, all they have is a VCR or DVD player mostly. So it's just nice to have ways of finding a place for everything. 
I get asked all the time, where do I put this? Where do I put this? I'll do these lists of 10 things on Instagram, 10 things to purge right now. And someone's like, where do you put the pink cans? Where do you put the medication? Where do we put DVDs? So the DVDs going to a nursing home, totally have never thought of that before. Yeah. There's actually a co-op here in Nashville. I'm sure they're probably everywhere where you can take almost anything. I mean, I've taken photo frames that don't have the glass in them, like the glass has been broken or whatever, and they will take almost anything and they let like struggling artists or people who just need come. And instead of purchasing individual items, I think it's maybe five or $6 per bag. You bring in your own bag, you can buy anything you need for all different kinds of art projects. So again, it can be half empty paint cans or it can be broken pencils. I literally can almost find a home for anything. (laughs) That's awesome. And I know that that does take a little bit more time. I'm friends with a few professional organizers here in Columbus and they try, they try to get the things to the appropriate places. But I think also sometimes people just need that bandaid ripped off and we just need to get it out. And so I do appreciate you taking that extra time, that extra step. I think that is a really unique approach and just wanting to make sure that we have things rehomed or reused or recycled if can be. So I love that you do that. It was funny. I officially created a website and launched the company a week before COVID hit. To talk about amazing time. I was like, I'm going to start a company and this is going to be great. And then a week later, it was locked down. Everybody couldn't go anywhere. But it was funny because it actually helped my business with people being home more. They were able to do more closet cleanouts. And I feel like that sort of catapulted my business in a way that no one could see coming. <laughs> oh, sure. And also someone said this. Oh, it was Alexis. She came on back in July, but she is an interior designer. And we were talking about how in the winter seasons here in Ohio that we maybe have more perspective of our things because we're inside so much more than most people around different parts of the country that might be warmer. So we're just sitting with our things for probably longer than someone in Florida might be sitting with their things. During COVID, if you're surrounded by your things and we were inside, I bet it gave people a perspective to say like, wow, I'm really weighed down by my stuff. I want to start getting some of this out and I need help. For sure. At least that's how it was for me here. Yeah. So, okay. Because you've been doing this for so long, you have tons of success stories. I want to just pick your brain about a couple of the ones that you have that were particularly memorable to you. There's so many. And honestly, they're all memorable in their own way because literally every client is very unique and have their own reasons for doing this. I think two that stand out to me. One was one of my very first clients back when I first launched my business and they're in the music industry and she had recently gone through a lot of loss and had literally... I think she told me five or six people in her life had passed away just in the past year and her husband was gone a lot. And we just sort of had really great conversations while going through things and just quickly became vulnerable with each other. And it was just interesting to me because here I was going into her house thinking I was helping her and she ended up helping me. And we bonded in a lot of ways of losing our dads and just so many different things that again, neither of us planned. I call those moments God winks. It was just interesting how that worked. And you go into a situation thinking that you're going to help that person and then that person ends up helping you. And it's just kind of cool. Another client also had lost two different members of her family and was downsizing from, I don't know, a seven or 8,000 square foot house after years of her parents living in that house and then passing away. And it was just interesting to see all the memories as we were cleaning out closet and rooms. And it was just interesting to see how certain things that I was like, oh, this could probably go, right? She was very attached to it. But then other things that I thought would be very memorable and things that she'd want to hold on to, she was like, oh no, that was just bought at a store. It can go. It's one of those things where you can't ever go into anyone 
someone's home and just assume that you know what they're going to want to get rid of because it's different for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. It is curious to say there is a concept of Swedish death cleaning that I've talked about before. Are you familiar with it? No, I've never heard of that. I guess it really is just what it's called, death cleaning, just getting your house decluttered for the future. So we all are going to pass someday. So it's getting your house just prepared and decluttered so that when you do pass on, you're not leaving an abundance of things for your family members to have to go through. I had Emily McDermott on the podcast. I'll link the episode, but she talked about her process and going through all this. And I mean, she's young. She's in her late 30s, early 40s. And everything that she wanted kept for the next generation, she kept in one box. And she's like, really anything else you can toss, but these are things that are special to me and that I want as heirlooms to be passed down. So it's just kind of getting your affairs in orders. And again, like I know that's not fun to talk about necessarily, but it is just good preparation because I'm 35. So I haven't dealt with a ton of loss yet, but I know that I've had so many people talk about going through their parents' things or uh, spouse's things. And I just don't want to leave that weight behind for my kids one day. Yeah. I've never actually heard that term that you used, but yes, by the time I was 27, I had lost my father, my uncle, all four of my grandparents. And then by the time I was 35, I had lost two cousins and another family member. So I've had a lot of loss in my life. And again, I didn't know that term, but that was something that I have now carried over into people that I've worked for when they have had loss or when they're older clients. Because especially when my father passed away, he was not a hoarder. Neither of my parents are hoarders. But my mom and sister and I would go through this one little tiny closet he had in the house that my mom sort of called like his man cave closet. And there was so much stuff in there. And it took us days to go through. And we're all three sad and emotional and grieving. And then we're caught up in all of these papers and things that we don't know if they're important or not. And my dad, he died when he was 58. So it's not like he had made plans because he never thought he was going to die that young. And so, yeah, we were left with a lot of, do you think he would care about this? Do you want this? Is it going to be bad if we throw this away? And again, it's something that I've carried over to a lot of my clients, especially when I go in and they do have large homes or they have a lot of things they don't want to let go of. I use that with my dad and I'm like, please do not make your children have to do this because it was absolutely the worst. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And like I said, my parents, they're getting ready to move next summer from our childhood home. So we moved in in 90, 91. And it's going to be harder than I expected. But as my dad is sending me things, do you want this? Do you want this? And then he's going through his own things that he's kept. He has his notes from college that he said he finally got rid of. And this was a quick story. He sent a picture of this lamp from my childhood nursery. And my mom said that one was just super hard to get rid of. But they were like, do you want this? Ends up my sister-in-law wants it for when she has a baby. So I was able to pass it down. But I was thinking to myself, it may have been easier for them to have gone through all of my baby stuff and all of the stuff that they've kept back then. Because I can't imagine being 73 and having seen your kids grow. And now I'm raising my own family. And the passing of time and being towards maybe the end part of your life, all that seems so heavy. And now you're having to declutter on top of it. And that's why I think I want people to know, like, we just need to address it now because it's going to be the weight of experience and more emotional attachment is just only going to grow as we get older. And I'm definitely seeing that within him. So it's just been, I've been processing some of this as I talk to people about minimalism and decluttering while watching them go through this experience. Well, and several moms that I work with who have recently had babies in the past you know, year or two years, they have said specifically, when you know it's your last baby and you're not going to have any more, you're even more emotionally attached. And they have said it's been very helpful for them to know 
when they're giving me their baby clothes or their strollers or jumperoos or whatever, they said, we know that you're not just dumping the stuff at Goodwill. You're actually researching who needs it and families that are in need. And then it's going to organizations that are just tangibly handing off the stroller to this mom that doesn't have a stroller and so on. And they said, it just makes letting go of things so much easier when you know it's going to someone who literally can't afford to go buy it and need it versus just, I'm going to dump it at the Salvation Army or Goodwill or whatever. So I do think that that helps, even though it is still hard, no matter what. Yeah, absolutely. I know that then in Columbus, there's an organization called PDHC. It's Pregnancy to Decision Healthcare Center, and they will take in whatever clothes or, like you said, jumperoos, strollers for moms that are choosing to keep their babies. I work with an organization like that here too called Hope Clinic, and they do. Mothers who choose to fulfill their pregnancy and have their baby and give it life, they then take the mother and her baby on until the baby is two years old, and they will provide every single thing the mom needs so that that is not a pressure on the mom. They give her diapers, wipes, clothes, blanket, you know, the whole And there's another organization I work really closely with called Mother to Mother, and they do the same thing. They actually have buses that will go to remote parts of Tennessee where people maybe don't have the same access that they have here in a large city, and they do the same type thing there. So it's really cool just, again, to align yourself with places that help others, but also align with things that are important to you plenty of other organizations that are not faith-based that might pertain to something that might matter to someone more than another person. So I love that aspect of it. I'm fairly certain that I don't want a fourth baby. However, at this point, if we end up having a baby, I have been decluttering a lot of stuff. And my husband wanted to get rid of our Bob stroller that we've had for all three of our kids. And part of me is like, I don't really want to get rid of this because if we have a fourth, that's a really quality stroller. But then at the same time, and maybe I've said this before on a podcast, so I'm sorry for my redundancy, but we have so many relatives that are generous. And I'm sure that someone listening has that grandparent or that mom or that aunt that is like, what can I get you? What can I get you? I'm going to give you gifts. Some of these things in the back of your head that you're like, wow, that was hard to purge, but I don't think I'm having a baby. But if I do, these are the people that I'm going to call on to help me replenish or restock what I have decluttered. And again, I know that's a bunch of what ifs, but sometimes just saying like, okay, if this happens in the future. We're living in the what ifs of that hasn't happened yet, but we also have like a protectiveness that we can kind of look into like, wait, this will be taken care of if need be. So it kind of helps us feel the freedom to get rid of it. Yeah. And going back to the beginning of our talk, when I was talking about putting my money where my mouth is, it's something that I've shared with a lot of, especially moms who say that same kind of thing, like having a baby is so expensive. You have the crib and the stroller and all the things, not to mention diapers and wipes and clothes and all those things. And they said, I just, I tend to hold on to these things in case something happens happens because I don't want to have to go buy it new again. And I've looked at them and I've said, can I ask something and it not come across hatefully because I don't ever mean to sound that way. But I said, why does it have to be new? And literally every single person looks at me and they're like, what other options are there? And I said, it all depends on where you live. Again, I do travel nationwide, but here in Nashville, there are so many consignment stores and once upon a child and stores like that, where you can go in and get very gently used items for like half the price, if not even less than half the price. I've told so many people that I was like, this is where it comes into play of living more minimally and putting your money where your mouth is. And like, should you decide to have another baby or should you, oops, get pregnant? There's a million ways. When you go to places like that, you're not only shopping small and reducing the amount of consumerism in our world, but you're also oftentimes helping someone who consigns that item. Because I always say people don't consign items when they don't need the money. So if they're choosing to consign, it's probably because they needed the cash for something. So I'm like, shop small, help people in need by buying secondhand when you 
Japan, because that money is oftentimes going straight into the hands of the people who really need it, who are choosing to consign their items. So that's just something to keep in mind, regardless of what it is. I buy a lot of my own clothes secondhand at consignment shops or through like Poshmark and things like that, just to try and reduce my footprint in the world. Oh my gosh, Poshmark. It's been one of my favorite things I've found this year. Yes. I know it's been around for longer than this year, but I've just discovered it and it's one of my favorite things. Going to my last question, I want to know for you as a professional organizer, what does success look like when you leave a client's home? What would you say that's been successful and how do you measure that for them? In several different ways. Number one, like 99.9% of all of my clients have called me back. So that's successful for me to feel like there's a million organization companies they could contact. But the fact that they call me to come back makes me feel successful and also pleases my like minimalistic and less consumerism heart of the fact that they want to choose somebody who's going to come in and take what they're not using anyway and get it into the hands of someone who is going to need it. And then I don't even think I mentioned this, but I also provide tax deductible donation receipts to my clients after I take their things so that number one, it's transparency. They can see that I really am taking their things somewhere, but also they can see where it goes. So if they choose to get involved, there's a whole list of places they can go get involved and volunteer or donate to because they have the paper and the information right in front of them. And it's also a tax write-off. So a lot of times things that they get rid of are more than what they paid me to organize. So I'm like, the entire process can be completely a tax write-off for them if they want. But that's how I measure success is when they call me to come back. But how I measure success for them is that I get these testimonials emailed to me or I have them text me or comment on social media where they're like, hey, we tried the whole Christy Day idea for our son's birthday this year. Or, hey, I have a bag of donation pickups. Can you just come do a porch pickup? Because that's another thing I offer. You can pay 20 bucks and leave all of your stuff that you've organized yourself on your front porch. I'll come pick it up, still sort it, still take it and donate it, and then still send you a receipt. So when they choose to do those things versus buying more or instead of just throwing things away or letting it sit, to me, that speaks success for them because it all takes time. You know, I always say nobody wakes up tomorrow and is a completely different person than who they were today. But if they're waking up and making these small changes, to me, that's successful. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, you are a wealth of information. This was great. But where can people find you if they want to connect with you more online? So I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, and it's at Neatly Balanced on all three of those. I have a website that's neatly-balanced that has a blog. And like I was saying earlier, has all the recipes and tips for travel and things like that on it. And they can also email all the information for how to connect with me is on my website. But I would say I'm probably most active on Instagram. So if you're going to pick one social media outlet, I would say Instagram for sure. Perfect. Well, as we wrap up the conversation, I'm going to ask you the two questions that I ask every guest. And the first one is what's been a beneficial resource in your life that you want to share with the listeners today? I think it goes back to trying to be minimalistic. And for me, it was switching out to velvet hangers. You can get 30 plus percent more space in your closet by switching to velvet hangers. They take up less space and they also help your items not slip off. So if you're going to spend money on something, invest in velvet hangers. You can hang up so much more space. Love the velvet hanger idea. All right. My last question for you is what is something that you can't stop talking about? And this is just something fun that will help us get to know you more. Oh my gosh. There's so much. Basically, I can't stop talking, period. I'm a talker and I'm chatty in case you can't tell. (laughs) 
my husband's like, I don't know. I just wish she'd stop talking, period. <laughs> that would be great. Going a little bit deeper, I can't stop talking about trips that we take and travels we do. Again, because we don't have kids, that's where we choose to spend our money. Neither of us are big on consumerism. We don't have a big house. We don't have flashy cars. We don't have a ton of clothes, but we will spend money on nice travel. So we went to Hawaii back in May. We actually, with everything going on in Maui, it's so sad, but we actually went to Oahu. So I didn't even get to go to Maui. So I kind of hate now that we didn't go because I know it's probably never going to be exactly the same. But that was a really fun trip. Neither of us had ever been. So even just going to Oahu for a few days was a nice getaway. And even all these months later, we're still talking about it. Yes, my sister-in-law went to Hawaii a couple of years ago to Maui to some of the places that have been totally destroyed. And she's just been sending me the videos. I know her heart's really broken too. It's a horrible, horrible thing that happened there. So I think it's really cool that you travel. That was one thing that we had our first baby three years after we were married. And it's great. We love our daughter, obviously. Like I don't regret anything, but it would have been nice to have a little bit more time, I think, together to travel beforehand. So now we're kind of getting to the time where my youngest is old enough where people are willing to babysit him. So we're trying to travel a little bit more now. Well, again, this was so helpful. Thanks for joining me and my listeners today. It was. You too. What did you think of the episode? I hope you enjoyed the conversation. To learn more about today's guest, including links, resources related to everything discussed today, visit the episode page at minimalistmomspodcast.com, where you can find the entire podcast archive, as well as my book, Minimalist Moms Living and Parenting with Simplicity, or other ways to connect or work with me online. If you'd like to support the podcast, the easiest and most impactful thing you can do is subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and leave a rating or review of your favorite episode. Lastly, sharing the show or your favorite episode with friends on social media is very helpful and will encourage others on their journey to think more and do with less.